Welcome to the Pints and Polishing Podcast, the most influential and listened to podcast in auto detailing. Welcome to the community. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Pints and Polishing Podcast. It's another episode of the Detailed Car Collection. This is Nick, live from VR here in Vegas. Follow us and interact with us on the HyperClean Specialist Group on Facebook. That group has really taken off. I like some of the interaction, questions, guys showing work, guys asking about product. It's a great interactive way to learn more about HyperClean. Again, it's the HyperClean Specialist Group on Facebook. If you want to visit our store, hypercleanstore.com. Let's get to the topic of the day. Number one, the Mercedes-Benz that sold for $140 million thereabouts was showcased even better yesterday or the last couple of days on social media. Just want to remind everybody we had that story on this podcast about a week to 10 days, if not 14 days before the story broke publicly. I had a couple of collectors involved and invited to that. Uh, we had inside scoop that nobody actually, no one else in the automotive journalist world uh, even had a sniff of. So it was really cool to see more videos and pictures on the RM Sotheby's account yesterday. We shared a little bit on HyperClean store on Instagram about that car. Biggest story of the last couple of weeks in cars has been Ford CEO announcing that they're going to try to take all of their electric vehicles and sell them direct to consumer. Oh boy, where do you start with this? The take that the auto dealers are the fundamental problem in the car business is such a bad take. I have no love for de dealers. I have no respect for how most dealers do business, but I understand what dealers do. As should all of you. Dealers aren't the enemy they're just a distribution network for cars, as we've shared on this podcast multiple times before. But I see so many bad takes and so many people that don't know the car business. Now, let me say what I mean by that. There's a lot of automotive journalists that know nothing about the car business. Matter of fact, most of them. There are a lot of people in detailing that know nothing about the car business. There are a lot of mechanics that don't know the car business. They don't operate in the car business. They operate in a segment of the car business, okay? A segment of the car business is not the car business as a whole. The car business that we're in is buying and selling cars and then selling services afterwards is a whole different part of the car business. Let's pick this apart a little bit. All of us would agree that during the pandemic, Ford, Chevy, Toyota, Rolls-Royce, Porsche, doesn't matter. They all failed. Every manufacturer failed. They can't deliver cars. They screwed up their chip deliveries. And that's what actually happened. There wasn't a shortage. They messed up their deliveries. They all panicked at the beginning. We shared that story in the pandemic as well. It was a lie. It was a fabrication. And this CEO has got the answer now. Okay. I like the idea. But now we got to ex execute. Okay, so let's walk through the pandemic. Car prices have been out of control. You've been getting gouged by every dealer. 
Why didn't Ford CEO step up on your behalf as a consumer? They could have just not sent cars to dealerships that were gouging customers. It was a real easy fix. He didn't want to do that. So the CEO of Ford isn't some customer-centric guy. He didn't step up and help you when you were getting gouged by $30,000, $50,000 for a Bronco. But now he's going to sell direct to you. And he's going to make your life better. You just went through two of the most horrific years to buy a car in the history of the car business. Did he step up then and help the consumer? He's got 8 billion lawyers at Ford headquarters in Detroit. Why didn't he go after the dealers that were screwing over the customer? Because he doesn't care about you. But now he's going to sell you a car direct. He's never serviced cars. He doesn't know how to service cars. And he's got to send all the cars to be serviced to dealerships. But he cut the dealership out. He's already meeting this with huge resistance. Huge resistance. The dealers association representatives, which are some of the biggest lobbies, lobbyists in each state. I know some of them personally. They're already writing letters. They're going to fight this. It's going to be a huge mess. So let's walk it back. The dealer screwed you during the pandemic. The manufacturer did nothing. But now the manufacturer selling direct to you, they're going to do the right thing. So let's walk through this. I buy a Ford Mach-E directly from Ford. Man, I'm so glad I got to cut those dealers out. Okay? The Mach-E is not working very well. I need to get it serviced. Well, there's no Ford Corporate Service Center in Las Vegas, Los Angeles, Miami, which means it's not in Tulsa, Oklahoma. It's not in Columbus, Ohio. It's not in Minneapolis either. How are you going to get a car serviced? Oh, I'm going to go to a Ford dealer. Hmm. A Ford dealer that was completely cut out of the deal is now going to help you with your car. Okie doke. They rip you off at the service center when you do buy the car from them. What do you think is going to happen when they're trying to take a chunk out of your ass for not buying that car from them in the service drive? Well, let's walk through it. Let's say you can't go into a dealership for general service of any kind for less than $1,000 in most cases. Now you got an electric vehicle. It's having all kinds of problems. You're in a service drive. What's 2,500 bucks to them? They don't care if they service it or not. We didn't sell you the car. Ford did. Well, you're the Ford dealer. No, I'm an independent dealer. Yeah, we represent Ford, but they won't let us sell this vehicle. They sell, sold it directly. You need to call them. And so now the CEO of Ford's going to do the right thing. Didn't help you during the pandemic. Allows people to get ripped off. Look at the Ford Lightning prices. 40, 50, 60,000 over sticker still. Where's the Ford CEO helping you? But I saw all these things. Oh, we're finally seeing the fall of the dealership. What's the plan? Tesla sells in your market. They put a service center. It's still a fiasco. Ask anybody that's had an issue with Tesla. It's a fiasco. We have one in the body shop right now that we may not see for six, eight months. We've had people have massive issues. Car was lost for a year. I'm not banging on Tesla and I'm not banging on Ford. What I'm banging on is the coverage of this. And for all of you that think this is a good thing, you haven't thought through it. And you haven't thought through it because you don't know the car business. That's most of the takes I see. Oh, this will be great. No, it won't. 
they didn't help you when you were paying 50 over sticker. Let me give you a Ford Raptor story I've shared before. Ford Raptor, very well taken care of client of ours. Car's in perfect condition, has a failure in the engine. It's got 90,000 miles on it. Got 100,000 engine warranty on it. Direct from the factory. They end up having his car, his truck for like 12 weeks, 12 to 16 weeks. He's out without his vehicle. It's, this was just this year. They come out. They finally give him a new Raptor engine. He's still got to pay three to $5,000 to have the thing put in. Yeah, what a great company. They're going to help you, the consumer. I'm not banging on Ford. Chevy does this. Hyundai does this. Everybody does this. But Ford's in the limelight because this CEO tells you he's going to help you out. And then you have all these hanger-ons. Oh, yeah, F the dealership. Dude, the dealership's not the only problem. The whole system is corrupt. The whole system is corrupt. There's this book by Ralph Nader that you can't hardly get your hands on. Okay. And it talks about how every advancement that's been made in cars has been by force from the government. They had people getting impaled in cars, interiors, having sharp edges and, and, and metal edges inside of cars. They had to fight the car manufacturers to take sharp metal objects out of the interior of cars. Now, you get in a fender bender and you have steel go through your heart. You think it'd be common sense for everybody to be like, hey, you know what? We probably should fix this. No, they had to be brought up in front of Congress to have it fixed. Now, I'm not sitting here banging on manufacturers because I understand them. And let's dig in on Ford a little bit here. Ford has failures in the Bronco line. Ford has assembly issues in the Bronco line. I haven't seen a Bronco put together all that well yet. It's mostly cheap shit on the interior. And again, I have no problem with it because that's the way it's moved. You have to get up into a $70,000, $80,000 Bronco for it to even be anything I'd want to drive. They have engines blowing up, catching fire. They got problems in the electric. And then this week they come out, Bronco Raptor. Let's, let's give all these journalists the Bronco Raptor treatment. Awesome. Are those engines going to blow up? Because you can't get the regular ones right. I got no problem with Ford, but these people that think Ford's going to go direct and sell you a car direct and your life is going to be better. Walk me through that. Why didn't Ford step up and put a stop to the price gouging if they're all customer centric? Why doesn't Ford have engines that don't blow up on brand new lines of vehicles because their quality controls in trouble. It's been in trouble for a long time. Chevy's in the same boat, by the way. So Chevy guy listening to this, let's, let's relax. The interior of the Corvette's not as silky smooth as everybody seems to think it is. We've taken care of a plenty of them. There's a plenty of headaches in that brand as well. Nobody's perfect, but I've told people this before. You don't want these brands to go direct. They've never serviced a customer one time in their careers. They're not going to build a distribution network better than the one we got. What they should be doing and what they should have been doing for the last 50 years is going in and fixing the dealer network and putting pressure on the dealers to do the right thing. But they don't do that. So now they're going to sell you an electric car and they're going to do all the right things. They've never helped you once in 50 years. Ford has never stepped up to help the consumer. Dealers have been ripping people off for 50, 60, 70 years. Ford's never stepped in to help you. GM's never stepped in to help you. BMW's never stepped in to help you. 
Why are we acting like the dealer are the only problem? If the manufacturer cared, if Toyota cared about how the dealer did business, they would put pressure on the dealer. But they never do that. Stop calling for these guys to go direct and cut the dealer out. You're going to be in a world of hurt if Ford corporate has to deal with your vehicle being serviced. And what's going to happen is they're going to try to bully their way into this. And so it's going to piss the dealers off and the dealers are not going to want to work on your car. And make no mistake, damn near every brand is having massive, massive issues because of, I mean, I saw a picture the other day. I think there's like 5,000 Broncos sitting in a lot, waiting on chips, rotting away. And now they're having to retrofit, which that company's never retrofitted cars. And it's coming out. Engines are blowing up. Electrical systems are blowing up. The interiors are falling apart. I've given everybody that will listen to, if you're buying a car that's manufactured in the last two years, you're, you're, you're in a crapshoot. You have no idea what you're getting. You could get a car that lasts the next 50 years. You could get a car that you drive off the lot and blows up at the first stoplight. I mean, quality control has never been that great in the car industry. Let's be frank. But Bronco being as big as it is and having engines blow up, that, that's not something you see every day. That's not something that's great for the Bronco brand. Look at what's going on in the diesel world. You got all these diesel trucks being delivered and guys just having massive issues. Dodge trucks are in the toilet with quality. They've always been suspect electrically. Take it from me. I've dealt with it. I've watched other people deal with it. They do electrical systems like Land Rover does them horrifically. But we've talked to, I've had two customers that have called in for uh, some service here, some window film and, and, and PPF. They have 700 miles on a Dodge 1500. It's been at the service center four times. Nobody's, nobody's escaping this. But for those of you that are trying to talk to your clients and getting into being advice, you've got to see the big picture. There's so many little picture people in this world. If you're the big picture person in the car world in your area, you're going to make a lot of money. But you've got to see through this nonsense. You've got to see through the fact that you hate dealers and I hate dealers. Who cares? Understand their role and understand what we're going to need them to do. And if every company was so customer centric, why haven't they fixed the dealer network? ripping you off the last 50 years. Now, let it go on. Let me, let me share the Lexus story again because I got more clarification on it. They basically put a dealer markup on an RX 300, 350, whatever it is, by selling window tint and BS ceramic coating for close to $5,000. And this is what the dealership has the goal to say to my client. Well, it's better than getting something for nothing. And every other dealership's marking up their stuff. At least you're getting your two front windows tinted and some ceramic coating on your interior and exterior. We tested the car. I shared it on here. There was no coating in that car. That's the audacity that these people have. I'm not immune to it. I know exactly what's going on. But I don't want to deal with a Ford CEO that can't keep his cars from blowing up, having to fix one of my electric vehicles. I can tell you that right now. I'll share the Porsche Taycan story with you. We had one of the first Porsche Taycan turbos in the United States with one of my customers. They pulled out of a burger joint. They went and sat down and ate at. The car completely fried itself at the stoplight. 
almost crashed into the traffic. The Porsche dealer didn't know what to do. Oh, we've never seen this before. Well, of course you've never seen it before. It's the first one. They had to give us a whole brand new car because they didn't know how to service it. That dealership was involved in that sale. That allowed them to have skin in the game. Imagine if we had bought it direct from Porsche and now we're at the dealership. The dealership's going to stick their middle finger in our face and say, call Porsche. Well, you are Porsche. Nope, we didn't sell it to you. Call the corporate. Good luck with that. Like, you know how many people need to start living in reality? Let's dig on Porsche a little bit. Look at their GT market. They still can't allocate cars properly. But you want to buy directly from Porsche? Come on, dude. You want to buy from Ford, GM, and all these people directly, and you think you're onto something? Dude, you've never made a dollar in the car business. There's no sense to this. And this CEO of Ford is a nut job. He can't even build cars on a high-quality level. I'm going to trust him to take over distribution while he's struggling to build the cars he's selling me? Come on. The fact of how many people are scared to say this, and you guys got to understand the automotive journalism world. These people don't ever have the ability to be 100% honest because they need to get press cars. They need the latest and greatest cars sent to them. So they're not going to really be at all against any brand. Look at the original, the, the re-release of Toyota Supra. It should have been cooked to the ground, what they did. Go through it. Very few people got on top of that car and said, this is ridiculous that they hired out BMW to build this iconic vehicle that they lucked into. Nobody cared about Supras until Fast and the Furious. So you get all this luck, and as a brand, you're like, ah, eh, we're not going to do right by our, our followers. We'll just have BMW build it for us. People made jokes about it, but it's sinister that Toyota can't build their own sports car. It's ridiculous. Now, they've started to take more ownership as it's gained a little bit of popularity, but they couldn't be bothered with it. It's nuts that we're advocating for these brands in any way. Understand what they're good at. Understand what they aren't good at. It's all good, man. You'll be great in this business. But for those of the people that are cheering this on, you're clueless. Do not cheer on getting rid of the distribution network that we have in place for cars called the dealer network. They could have fixed it. Every one of these brands could have stepped up and fixed it. None of them have. They watched you get ripped off during the pandemic. Now they're going to be your savior selling direct. Man, you, you, you got to really think through that. that. That's just, there's no sense in it. None of them have any clue what it takes to serve the end consumer. None. They've never done it. Tesla's finding out how hard it is. Look at the Tesla stock. I mean, folks, Tesla isn't what everybody thinks. I got nothing against them. But you're going to watch a company that's struggling to make it, man. They got to sell a lot more cars and be a lot more profitable and build a lot better product than they are right now. Long term, they aren't a shoe-in to be around forever. Anybody that thinks that is crazy. Look at the problems Lucid and Rivian and everybody's having. We want people to go direct. I have people waiting on Lucids forever now. It, you just don't understand the direct market. It doesn't work. Not, not for these brands the way they're situated now. So let's stop advocating for that. And let's think through this like adults. Next thing because I'm going to start getting worked up about the Ford thing. I mean, I saw so many stupid takes. I have to get off that subject before I lose my mind. Um, 
I want to talk about dry ice. For those of you that follow YouTube, you, you know how it works. You know how it goes, man. It's all about a view. It's not about doing the right thing. And I'm going to share something here. We've watched things fail on YouTube. We've watched people put a coating on a car, actively watch it, a, a multi-year coating fail on a vehicle during their testing. And they actively still sell that product, even though it's a failure. But it's a view. And it's about you getting into their orbit. It's a view. It's a sale. It's a view. It's not about the right thing. The dry ice thing is really fascinating to me. I saw, I did a lot of high-end restoration work early in my career, mid, middle of my career, the last 24 years. I've seen a lot of dry ice. I've seen a lot of bead blasting, sand blasting, those types of things in restoration work. And all of them have made incredible leaps and bounds changes in the past 20 years. But dry ice isn't new, especially not new in real restoration work. Most people doing real restoration work are forty, fifty, sixty thousand dollars into a piece of dry ice machine. They're not using these two and three thousand dollar, five thousand dollar machines. That's number one. Is there money in it? Yes, there is. There's a lot of money in it. But you have to be in the restoration world. You have to be in. Uh, you know, restoring a 1986 Porsche, restoring a 1999 uh, Mercedes, you have to be in restoring an old pickup, you know, C10. You have to be heavy in this restoration world. But now I'm here, you know, seeing the, the clickbait that says the future of detailing. Folks, most of us struggle to sell. Most of the people around struggle to sell ceramic coating. Most of the DIYers don't know how to apply a ceramic coating properly. This isn't a knock on anybody. How the hell is it the future of detailing? It's been around for 20 plus, 30 plus years in my career. 24 years I've known about dry ice blasting the entire time. Just to do the underside of a car, the undercarriage of a car, reasonable price in most areas, twenty-five dollars to $5,500 to dry ice the bottom of a car. How many of you can sell that? How many of you can afford it if you're a DIYer and you're like, I think I want somebody to do this to my car? Dry ice shortage, FYI, in the world. So the cost of dry ice is going up. The availability is very low. The machines to do it properly are pretty expensive. They have all kinds of problems with these more mobile units uh, that are being released. I got, look, I went to SEMA last year. I had two people, two European co companies that everybody would respect in this space approach me about bringing dry ice into my shop and they were going to give me this huge discount and you can use it for your content with HyperClean. I got approached by at SEMA just like other people did. And to watch people buy this hook, line and sinker, dry ice is a fantastic product. Absolutely. If, if you're going to ch chase heavy restoration work, dry ice is a no brainer. But to use a tiny little machine that guys are selling to do an entire undercarriage of a car, dude, it'll take you forever.
So most of the time you have these big industrial units that sit outside of the shop. They pipe, you know, they, they take the cords and the air compressor, or whatever, and the lines, and they run them into the shop. These things get very hot, very, very uh, power hungry, very loud, but you got to get the car done. See, it's, it's a time thing. I'm running my machine. I'm putting wear and tear on my machine. I'm running dry ice. I need to make money. I'm watching these little handheld units guys are, and they're cool. I'm in. If I got one, I'd play around with it and restore plastics in the inside. I mean, I would love it, but I also know what the facts of this are. Everybody has to start putting themselves in a position every single day to understand something. Okay. And you have to understand something that YouTube is all about you watching and them making you believe they're doing something you've never seen before. Guys, let's all be very fair here. All of us, you, me, everybody. If you haven't seen dry ice, but recently you don't need to buy a dry ice machine because you don't know what you're looking at. Now, if you're in restoration work, you do heavy body shop restoration work, you do all kinds of collector cars, you do all, you know, you restore Ferrari collections, man, dry ice is a no brainer, but you're not going to buy some little tiny machine. That's not how it's going to work. All of these people have all of these different things that they tell you on the internet. Let me break it down for you. Can you charge somebody regularly thousands of dollars for paint correction and ceramic coating? Not on a large scale and detailing that doesn't go on. There's some guys that do it. We were able to do it. Most detailers can't charge $2,500 for paint correction and ceramic coating. That's just a fallacy. Most ceramic coating is much less than that. If you struggle to sell $2,500 in something that somebody can see, like their paint, you're going to get them to pay $3,500 to the undercarriage of their car to do their engine bay. That's what you think is going to happen? Or are we just, again, looking for a view? And I'm all cool with that. I love watching dry ice restoration work. I've loved it when I've done it in my, myself in person. I'm all for the technology. What I'm not for is the clickbait around the technology. It's not the future of anything. It's just a way to clean a car. And if you want to invest the money and you want to invest the time and you want to do it, great but do it right. Go, go, go invest. Don't think these little machines are going to work efficiently enough for you to do the bottom side of cars all day long. So it's not going to, it's not going to happen. And I'm not trying to get on anybody here. I'm not, I don't have a single person in mind having this conversation. I've watched a thousand of these videos be sent to me. Now you think I should invest in this? Do you do restoration work? No, we clean Honda civics inside and out every day. Okay. What's your idea to go get that market? Well, don't have one. Hey, man, don't let YouTube sell you on something that the vast majority, 99% of people are never going to care about. I have collectors that wouldn't pay for dry ice. I have others that would pay for it tomorrow. Probably enough for me to invest, but I don't want to be in the dry ice business. And maybe technology finally gets to a point where I could dry ice the bottom of a car with a handheld unit in 10 minutes. That's certainly possible. Look at sandblasting to where we are now. Used to have sandblasting used to be horrific to deal with. Now you can do it outside of the shop and pick up most of the stuff and use it again. 
way more efficient to sandblast a car today than it's ever been. But it's still not a business I want to be in. I don't want to invest in that equipment, but there's business to be had. Most people would be better off learning to tint windows or do PPF or repair uh, alloy rims. In my estimation, at least those are ubiquitous with cars at this point. I've known guys making money in the dry ice business for a lot of years, but they've invested 40, 50, $60,000 in their equipment. And they do every restoration shop in their area. They do every body shop in their area. They don't just do one. They don't just have a shop. Everybody runs to, to have their car dry iced. Most of them are mobile. They go out to people. They, they, they do big projects. It's all good, man. Like I'm for it. I think dry ice is fantastic. I think telling everybody it's the future of detailing is a wild claim to make. And it puts a lot of people in this mindset of, oh, I'm going to have my car dry ice. They pick up the phone off a YouTube video. They talk to the dry ice expert. It's like, yeah, $6,500 to have the, bot, the undercarriage of your car done. Well, I want the whole car done. Okay, that'll be eleven grand. Uh, I'll call you back. Like, we got to get serious, man. This industry cracks me up. The stuff that we, we, we are telling graphene's the future. No, it isn't. I, I hope graphene one day is, is, is infused in everything. It's a great protectant, but grade a graphene costs a lot of money and is mostly gobbled up in defense and industrial uh, production. It's not in the car world. Sorry for those of you that put graphene on everything. And you thought it was going to, I mean, look at the companies that have done that. They're not doing that great. Look at the pro companies that went that route. I mean, that, that's not a good look. And so we have these dry ice conversations and graphene conversations, and it's the future of this. It's the future of that. Dude, I love dry ice, but I'm not going to tell you guys it's the future of anything in detailing. Unless the cost comes down, the availability goes up, the ease of use goes up, the kind of customers broadens who we do this. And I'm going to leave you guys with this. About five years ago at SEMA, steam was the future of detailing. Steaming entire cars was the future of detailing. And that kind of, it was about five years ago. I don't know the exact year. This company took over detailing SEMA because then everybody's walking away and going, man, I buy this steamer. I stick it in the back of my van or I stuck it in my shop. This is the future. Steam was the future. How many of you got that $15,000 steamer in your, in your shop? Once you did the math, once you thought it out, once you went home and tried to steam a front end of your car with a little steamer you got, you're like, yeah, I don't think I'm too into this. Doesn't mean it's not a great idea. We all use steam in some capacity, I'm, I'm sure at this point, but to steam a, a bunch of cars, to steam a whole bunch of uh, of vehicles and interiors all day, every day, you're going to invest 15,000, then the elbow grease, it didn't make you more efficient. All of a sudden you're charging all these people, all this money and you go, Oh, I can't make this work. I've heard a million things are the future of this industry. And it goes back to our Ford conversation just a few minutes ago, the guys and gals that can actually see what's next. Those are the people that succeed. I was on windshield film years before anybody else in my area. And now it's paid off. You've got to be able to see the future, but you can't buy into the, 
you know, the Herbalife and the Amway way of doing things, man. And that, and that's what these videos do is that I have all these guys reach out about dry ice. It's a great technology. I'm all in on it, but I also know that I'd have to sell, you know, two or 300 customers a year for it to make sense for me. Do I have that? Maybe. Or I can just keep putting PPF and coding and, and, and really just keep doubling down on the things I'm great at. Like, you know, steam was the next big thing. You're going to be steaming entire cars. You're going to be steaming rims. Then everybody got the price tag and then everybody saw how it worked in reality. And it was like, ah, eh, how many of those big steamers have you seen in someone's shop? 10, $15,000, big engines, really well built. I sat there, man. I, I was talked into it until I went home and started walking myself through it. It's just not economical for me to do. But I can buy a $1,500 steamer and really get a lot of work done on the interior. Do some engine based stuff, right? There's a place for a steamer. It's just not a $15,000 investment to, to steam entire vehicles. And the same goes for dry ice. Dry ice is, is, is there's value there, but you got to chase the dry ice business. Unless you're in with it already, it, it, it's all new. So the future of detailing, hey, we'll see. But I love the clickbait, dude. And YouTube videos, like any more than anything else, get people to think about, oh, that's, yeah, that's the future. I mean, this guy knows. These people know. No, they got bought, they got sold on buying those machines and reselling them. And so now they're trying to sell them to you. It's all good, man. That's, that's the, what makes this thing go around. But the people that follow us, we want to make sure you stay informed. If there is a change in dry ice that allows you to make infinitely more money and, and, and the marketplace changes, we're going to be the first people to tell you. I just don't see that today. Everybody have a great weekend. Thank you for the continued support. Follow us at hypercleanstore.com. Talk to you next week.